I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity, auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. We are going to go futurist world today, so prepare yourselves. We have quite the uh, lightning strike of a guest today in Sally Eves. Probably, I would guess, for folks in the API space, maybe a name you haven't heard. But all I can say is I don't know how to introduce Sally, and I'll just tell you, go look at her LinkedIn. What a profile. Author, teacher, advisor, strategist, you name it, she's done it across the gamut of tech subjects. So before, you know, hopefully we can constrain that recap enough to talk about other things around APIs, but uh, helping with co-hosting again is Anna, our product marketer from Stoplight. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. My LinkedIn is not nearly as comprehensive. Please don't look at that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blushing already. Thank you. (laughs) So I guess, Sally, uh, you know, tell us a bit about yourself and then uh, we'll see what we can chat about in APIs. Absolutely. And thank you so much for that lovely warm introduction. I really appreciate it. But yeah, I'm I'm Professor Sally Eves. And as you kind of said, I work across different areas and try to bring them together, so to speak. So technology, education and impact, I would say, are my three pillars. I'm a CTO by background. And now, as you mentioned, more advise around different elements of technology, right from APIs to IoT to 5G to AI and blockchain and 5G and beyond, and really how we integrate them, but not just for business benefit, also for social impact benefit as well. I really believe you can bring those two elements together. I work with a number of universities, as you mentioned, as well. And also, as I said, passionate about Tech for Impacts on the founder of Aspirational Futures, which is very much around democratization of access into tech careers, no matter your background, no matter your experience, working right from primary schools all the way up to adults who are looking to upskill and reskill as well. I'm an author, an author, a speaker, and a host of the Tomorrow's Tech Today podcast. So yeah, tech education and impact, that's very much me. Just hearing you talk makes me feel lazy, Sally. You have such energy and it's it's inspiring. I can see why you're in the position you're in. So chatting, you said a phrase there that I love, this sort of democratization of access, which, you know, you brought up right off the bat when we were talking before. And, you know, it's like, to me, this is one of those, like, how does that fit into APIs? Why, do, why is that relevant to, uh, you know, our general subject matter on this show? Absolutely. I see APIs very much as that hub of the will, you know, and we need to make um, technology opportunities, development opportunities available for more and more people in more and more roles. So this democratization opportunity, I think, is absolutely huge for that. You know, I just did a, a campaign, actually, with UNESCO and some industry bodies in the UK, and that was very much using APIs as kind of the glue, or that hub of the will, as I say, for, for doing things in the social impact space. We were creating some projects and making them reality, and it could never have been done if we didn't have APIs as that conduit to making those projects a reality. So I think they're absolutely critical. I've, I've just written um, a piece actually that's called The New Era, the Era of the API Economy. And it's really showing you how things have changed over the last few years and how so much innovation is being catalyzed through APIs. You know, whether it's talking about business, you know, uncomplicating legacy systems as well, or catalyzing new services for brands or new capabilities, new revenue streams. You can, you can kind of go on and on really. But you can also have new sources of value 
value and growth as well, but a more shared value that are generated through APIs as well. And that's very much in that social impact space and community innovation. So I kind of kind of bring those things together. There was a book that came out last year that was called Developer Advocate. And it kind of touched on this, the role of development, role of low code, no code, and the role of APIs and how all these things come together and they can give benefit across different areas. So I'm very much kind of in that intersection of bringing those elements together. So you mentioned that one of your tenets at the organization you founded is bringing technology to primary schools and and to skill development. How do you introduce APIs into that discussion? It's sometimes very difficult to wrap your brain around. You know, how do you introduce that to those those folks? Well, the first thing I did actually was use Lego. I always like to do things with an example. I love learning by doing and also kind of visualizing, but people getting hands-on with stuff, I think is always the best way to do. And for me, as I said, APA is like a glue or the Lego building block for making so many th- different things happen. So my starting point was literally getting people hands-on with Lego and also giving project examples, things that have been built and showing that rate of change. You know, whether you're talking about primary school or, or university or older adults, there's some amazing stats you know, around APIs like 40% of large organizations today have 250 or more as one example. And I showed a little graph just showing how that had changed over a few years, but also the type of projects that they'd help make a reality. And again, I love to do things that change the narrative about what a tech career looks like and what a particular role looks like as well. So I've shown the diversity of what APIs are enabling. So I always use that word enablement alongside democratization. I think that's really key. But through Lego, that was the building block, if you will, to start talking about this, then showing that with actual project examples, you know, right across different sectors from health to space to business and to also social impact endeavors as well. So again, it's kind of making those projects, bringing them to life, making that really exciting, showing what you can achieve in this type of career, the tech that underpins it. Now, I like to make the invisible visible, if you will, to to use that phrase. And that's the way I try to make that reality, being hands-on and practical, but showing those projects and also showing the people behind the projects as well. I run a series called 365, um, and I deliberately called it that because I think sometimes, you know, when we're talking about democratization or inclusion, we sometimes talk about it on certain days of the year. You know, there's International Women's Day as one example of that. But I think we need to focus on these issues every single day of the year, hence my kind of 365 naming. And in this particular series, I kind of shine a light on people in technology in different types of roles. And I did one with an amazing API developer last week, actually. And that's showing, you know, I interview people who are, who are in a particular space, particular type of role. Role, right the way from C-suite to a 14-year-old girl who's doing an amazing community project through technology. In that case, it was it was 3D printing, but it's kind of shining a light on what you can do, helping people to be curious, look at things a little bit differently and show the practical difference you can make, whatever your background. So for me, that shining a light, making things visible is really, really huge. I also use that phrase, making visible, making invisible visible all the time. I love that one. You know, the thing I've, I've always, that I think drew me into kind of APIs is, I was called like, it's the lingua franca of the internet in the sense that implementation and like how to write code, you don't have to do that to use an API, right? You just have to understand roughly, you know, how HTTP works in general is usually the gist of it. But you don't even really need to know that to understand what the thing does. So is that the kind of thing that you're thinking in terms of why APIs kind of improve this sort of accessibility? 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, going back to my kind of phrase about changing the narrative, I think when you look at the reasons why people don't go into certain careers, you know, there's three drop-offs around kind of STEM specifically. From, so from a UK perspective, that's GCSEs, so it's kind of age 12 to 14. Then it's A-levels, sort of 14 to 16, up to 18, depending on when you're actually taking the exams. And then even if you are taking these types of subjects at, at university or apprenticeship equivalent, there's actually a huge drop-off of people actually using them in their ultimate careers, particularly if you're a girl or, or, or a female in, in tech, and also from a broader diversity of, of experience as well. And when you look at why these drop-offs are happening, part of it is a, a kind of a misassumption about the types of skills that you need when you go into certain types of careers. What I'm trying to show is that tech skills, yes, are hugely important, but actually you need a holistic kind of skill set, STEAM, I like, to, I like to call it. So you have, you know, the broader toolbox of skills to work with from emotional intelligence to, to creativity more broadly alongside side tech skills and one isn't more valuable than another they come together and APIs I think sit right in that sweet spot yes you have the appreciation of technology but it's not all about those technology skills they allow you that capacity to unleash your creativity and it's kind of right in that medium of, of kind of opening up these different types of roles as well so that's where I think it plays a huge role as well sitting right in the middle of those types of kind of the steam world as I like to call it. Nice so what's what's the A I assume you're appending A onto STEM by getting steam. I am indeed, absolutely. So it's arts in its broader sense. So in terms of, you know, forms of expression, curiosity, creativity, but the sort of skills that can never really be replaced by technology. Now, I really believe in learning for life. I think that expression has, has never been more relevant, really, than it, than it is today. And this holistic tool set, so to speak, if we invest in that, then, you know, the only things that we know at the moment that are happening for sure, I think, is the speed of change is just getting faster. And that can create, you know, fear. Is it natural human emotion when things are changing so quickly? And it's difficult to, to keep pace with that. But if we have this holistic toolbox that helps us be agile to change ourselves, you know, not just organizations being agile, but teams being agile, us as individuals, it's about that skills agility and skills confidence to actually apply them as well. So that's kind of my you know, my education hat on for a minute. I think investing in STEAM skills, you know, both personally and organizations really supporting that is absolutely huge. Yeah, there's so many things that resonated in that, in your spiel there. I think the first is that, like, the thing I've heard a million times, right? People go, oh, software engineering stuff. Like, uh, you know, that was always way too intimidating because I'm not any good at math. And I'm like, you know, right now my son is finishing his CS degree with a math minor. And he's like, Dad, look, I did this whole thing that, like, proves, you know, this mathematical thing. I'm like, oh, that's great. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm a college dropout. I never, I like, I failed calculus, right? <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned, like, transformation, right? And, and in the business we're in of, you know, helping guide companies through these big transformations around kind of APIs redefining their business. And, you know, I've, I've been that, you know, our target customer and in, in leading those things many times is it's, it's not about tech. It's about culture and people and how they're interacting and how they're changing their assumptions and these sorts of things. So I love the notion of, you know, that, that we're missing a range of creativity. And I would say a big component of that is design thinking, right? That that's across the board. It's like this, this mindset that, well, I have a problem. I can go write an algorithm for that and just heads down and tech, right? But it's like, how does it fit in the bigger picture? What does it mean for people? Those sorts of things. So I love these threads of thought on on kind of creativity and that that's one of the essential ingredients to sparking this curiosity, right? And uh, it's like when you look at people who go, you know, I want to be a software engineer. It's like, okay, well, I see the money signs in your eyes. Like, I get that. 
but like, do you love solving problems and just grinding away sometimes at trying to dream up a way to get around this problem? Can you lose time doing that? Because if you can't, this might not be for you, right? So yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. That's so, so true. And you know, they've done brain scans looking at about how our brains react to certain stimuli. And it's funnily enough, the same part of the brain will light up effectively, you know, be brought to life if you're looking at algebra as you are looking to music. You know, I mean, there's individual differences, but it's not, you know, I think people often talk about left brain, right brain, don't they? And there's always a polarity around you're either good at science or you're good at humanities or something like that. And I love to kind of break down those types of thinking. And you know, I think we have too many silos in life. People are put in boxes far too early in my humble opinion, you know, around education and other things as well. And you kind of this mentality, oh, I can't do maths or I can't do this. And I always want to try and break those down and actually show that one intersects with another. You know, one actually benefits, you know, the innovation you see in one sector. If you start to look at that, you can actually bring that to play in another, for example. I love this intersection of different ideas and different types of thinking. Multidisciplinary stuff is so great. (laughs) Absolutely, it really is. And so with APIs, you know, we can empower people in both technical roles but also non-technical stakeholders as well to have that capacity to be curious, to create and to collaborate. Collaboration, I think, is massively important here as well. So yeah, I think it's great to look at this from this holistic perspective, should we say. Something we talk about a lot is applying product design to API design, right? The same sort of product methodology. And product depends a lot on empathy. And empathy is not something you hear a lot about from a technology perspective, but it is increasingly important. How do you teach skills like empathy and creativity? How do you teach those things alongside those more hard tech skills? That is a great question. I think it's one that's coming up more and more, actually, even over the last, you know, with the whole pandemic experience. I think people have had that opportunity to, to reflect a little bit differently and to kind of reframe what value is and also just speaking to people differently. I mean, how many times have we been on, you know, a call like this, um, particularly in the early days of the pandemic, where you might be meeting people in a team and you've never seen them in their home setting before and you see something in the background. It won't apply for me today in, in this hotel one, but if I was at home, you would see certain things in the backdrop, you know, certain photos photograph or a bit of memorabilia or something like that. And it's incited people to ask different types of questions for the first time. And that is an interesting example of how we've, I think, connected to people differently. It's helped to start looking at conversations around empathy and emotional intelligence and connecting in a whole new way in a different way. I think we have started to find out more about one another, one of the positive things to have come out over the last few months. But I think empathy, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it is difficult to kind of build like an empathy training program, but I think it can be done. I think Technology has a role to play there. I've done things certainly at both schools and and in organisations as well, using AR and VR and XR as a way to kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes and go through different scenarios, looking at that from a different role perspective, for example. I think if you experience that in a more hands-on way, you can help you to think differently and have that more rounded perspective. So I think that's one way of doing it. But interestingly, another example of that is how people have been feeling over the last few months and mental health and anxiety and well-being. Kind of that, that, that kind of continuum is something that's discussed a lot more, which is a really important thing. But it's interesting as well, some research that I was involved in only came out a few weeks ago. But it was basically saying people now feel more comfortable, for example, talking to a conversational AI bot as a first port of call you know, in, a, in an organization before going to their line manager 
So there's a new acceptability and adoption around different types of technologies and seeing them used in non-traditional ways. So I think in the past, you know, things like AI, it's sometimes had you know bad rap, hasn't it, in terms of the headlines you would see. Rather than it being an enabler, some of the headlines have always been a little bit on the scary side. It's you know, the typical thing about when something goes wrong, that kind of gets headlines. But we've seen a change of narrative here about what tech can enable. And when it comes to mental health, we're seeing that with some you know really interesting results where people are using it as that safe space to say how you feel. So that's another kind of aspect of the empathy equation as well with tech as that conduit to make a difference. So I think there are definite things we can do using technology, but more broadly than that as well. Special interest groups, I think, can be really valuable as well to create, again, create these safe spaces to talk about how you're feeling and put yourself in other people's shoes, so to speak. We're going to bounce around here, folks. Sorry, if you're looking for continuity, Sally has way too many things to talk about that I'm way too curious to hear a take on. So we're going to bounce around. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm going to tie it back earlier. You mentioned API economy. And, you know, I think I've been hearing this phrase for a long time, and it's only in the last year or two, I feel like it's really starting to feel like a real thing now. But I guess, you know, for some folks, it's like, well, does that mean we're all going to build headless apps now when everything's commoditized? Like, you know, how do you see this play out? No, I don't think it's that. I think we're going to have increased diversity around what we're using APIs for. So, I mean, almost any, any service now, really, whether it's finance or billing or comms or, or travel or logistics, and most most of these have a service that's really being enabled by APIs. So it's really cross-sector. I also think that one of the sectors that was placed under probably most pressure during the pandemic, like healthcare, for example, seen a huge use of this here. So it's very much just people and technology in partnership. These very connections have been taking a place across API interfaces. So whether it's price or availability or tracking or delivery and all available on mobile phone devices as well, I think APIs have come into the everyday and they have become more visible because more people have been benefiting from this on an everyday basis. I think that's only going to continue. You know, I I talk about convergence a lot. I I think we're in the, uh, not only the the age of the API, but I think we're in the age of of convergence at the moment with different technologies coming together, you know, at greater speed and scale. I think another example of that is IoT and IIoT or the industrial version of that as well. So we're also seeing you know, software embedded everywhere as well. You know, whether we're talking about you know air conditioning in the hotel I'm in at the moment, which is slightly too high, or whether it's cars or factory machining or even light bulbs. You know, so again, APIs are providing that glue I was talking about there that's enabling connectivity across all these different devices as well. So I think that's really interesting. We've got this huge acceleration. I mentioned some of the numbers earlier on today as well. You know, 40% of large organisations. 250 plus in terms of APIs. So I think the next level of conversation around this is, you know, how you do the most with this. You know, I think things around visibility, reusability are hugely important and how you do things to reduce complexity as well. So I think it's very exciting times. I've told numerous folks, I feel like, and you're in, you know, somewhat in the education space here, so I'm sure there's, you have comments too, is like, you know, having hired many software engineers over the years and seeing kind of how they come equipped. And I already mentioned empathy, and that's certainly one, but I think the practical side of that is thinking about how you design big things. And so it's like, you know, if you end up with 250 services that describe the capabilities of your business, how many people can understand that picture? My unpopular opinion uh, is like, we call it computer science, but I think that actually betrays the fact that it's a creative discipline and that design should play a bigger role in software engineering when thinking about how to design a system, right? So I'm curious to see, you know, from your perspective, either trends or 
kind of how things might be changing around education and, and, you know, that component, like, you know, how we implement these APIs and build out a system around it. Yeah, I think the design points are a really interesting one. I think one component of that is is who is doing the designing as well. You know, when we're, when we're looking at all these things, we need to look at the audience that's in mind. So one program that I'm particularly involved in is kind of opening up access to, to who are the designers now and into the future and making sure we've got a diversity of experience in there as well. You know, whether we're talking, you know, we've got to make sure something is, is fit for purpose for, for the ultimate audience for that. And I think sometimes we don't always have that diversity of experience that reflects the ultimate audience in the team's that's building it. And that's sometimes due to these gaps that we've already touched on. And we have increasing gaps in terms of diversity in certain types of role. And some of those are around the API space. And more broadly, things around security, architecture, testing, just, just as three things off the top of my head, we've got gaps that are increasing talent gaps around this. And we've certainly got diversity gaps and, and they're huge. I think you know, we all know whether it's from personal experience, we don't really need the research to tell us that, but teams that are diverse, they're more creative to go back to one of our key words today, more innovative, there's greater satisfaction better productivity and the ultimate results are closer to what you're trying to deliver almost across the board so I think we have to do a lot of work around that in terms of design making sure we've got the right teams in place to really optimize that design process but you mentioned about design thinking you know right off the bat quite early in our chat today I'm a huge huge proponent of that I do a lot of work in that with, with my nonprofit, but also within organizations as well and making sure you've got the right people right at that early stage when you're looking at the ideation processes around this is huge as well you know from all roles in the organization and also from technical and non-technical ones as well i think that's hugely important it's a bit like you know the most successful devops teams i I, i've seen have got that breadth and depth of people who are involved in that not just maybe the traditional roles you would see so that alignment opportunity is huge i think the other thing i would say about design as well is the importance of experience so another kind of probably phrase a phrase of the year has been age of experience as well, hasn't it? You know, consumers have seen the art of the possible, you know, in things of in terms of development speeds increasing, but also the types and personalization of experience increasing as well. You know, we've started to see much better fusion uh, across connection and engagement, you know, whether it's mobile, web, social apps, for example. But omni-channel, multi-channel, they're not exactly the same thing. I think organizations are getting this right, are really focusing on that particular area but not just from a consumer perspective, also from an employee perspective, specific roles, developers, for example. But we need to look at that in the round, so to speak. So I think the actual how you how you develop the experience you're having in that particular role, making things easier, more intuitive, visibility across the entire organization, those types of considerations are hugely important as well. So again, I think we're just seeing one thing that's ringing through my head at the moment, how many more different kind of vectors that are catalyzing innovation are coming to bear and kind of coming to together at the moment. I think it's a really interesting time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the perspective from most folks, I think, working on API design as a problem space these days is it's much like, let's say, the mid-90s of user experience design before we called it that, right? And, you know, I think the real problem is like platform design, which is to say that, sure, you can design an individual API that has a good developer experience, sort of our you know, DX versus UX, right? That's where we're going on that end of headless things. But when you look at this whole thing as a big picture, how does it make sense? And so I think the traditional notion that design is a visual discipline is where that falls apart. And you, know, you mentioned you got to get the right designers involved. Well, People that would call themselves designers today tend to be more visually oriented toward user experiences. And so I'm curious to see what you've seen around kind of, you know, the, the changing and broadening discipline of design. 
No, absolutely. That goes back to almost my kind of STEAM approach, really, in terms of the the characteristics and the types of skills that make a difference today. And I, I think you're absolutely right that the visual side of things is really coming to the fore. And also from, from the perspective of people who are monitoring this and measurement, you know, the different types of dashboards we're seeing becoming available at the moment as well. I think the visual way forward is absolutely the trajectory we're on. I, I couldn't agree more strongly with that. And even from... Um, like a social impact space example as, as well. So taking this forward to something else, a project I've just been involved in is looking at how can we look at how organisations have performed over the last 20 months, for example. You know, I had a hypothesis that organisations that kind of do well by doing good could be justified in data and we could actually show that. So I worked with a financial services company. They gave me access to their APIs to look at, for example, companies that reported about ESG and have done that early. Could we look at companies that have, kind of shown their measurement in that and then go behind the scenes, use APIs, drill into news fees, various other different things as well. Could we show that actually they did do better, kind of bring that correlation to bear and almost prove it, should we say, with the data? And it was fascinating. And the visualization aspects of that, for me, the technology I was using to enable me to do that, I'm a visual thinker and worker as well to a great extent. And it was a huge difference maker on that. And they actually changed some of the functionality in some of the things we were working on off the back of that experience as well and went even more down that route. So I think it's huge. And if you look at a lot of the communities in this space as well, particularly open source communities, is a, is a topic of discussion that's coming up the time particularly for kind of generation z who are coming through this at the moment as well and looking at this as a, as a particular career opportunity you know, i do a lot of hackathons um, with, with young people particularly rated to, to kind of sdg outcomes it's very much it's very clear to me put it this way in terms of you know learning styles this visual one is definitely the way to really really invest in i think making the invisible visible definitely a theme of this episode exactly it's a key metaphor today i think absolutely <laughs> So I'm going to jump back to another one you mentioned before, which is, you know, transformation. And as I mentioned, uh, the way I think about these things is, is the transformations that are happening as companies trying to shift their thinking from kind of traditional pipeline business into platform thinking and what that means. APIs are a requisite component of that. But, you know, what do you think are some kind of essential ingredients as companies are going through these transformations and trying to understand how APIs are going to change their business and that sort of thing? It's a big question. I mean, in terms of challenges that I'm seeing organizations um, facing at the moment, I would say the integration piece is absolutely huge. So alongside, you know, the transformation process, there's a continuum, isn't there? Um, And there's lots of different elements to consider. It's not just about technology. Education and tech, absolutely hand in hand. It's also about auditing where you are. Start from that point, do that benchmark, but look at all the aspects involved in that. So it's technology, it's education, it's process, it's talent capability, it's the succession planning beyond that. Um, It's also the value and mission of your organisation as well. All the elements have to go together. But in terms of the challenges around digital transformation. So number one, I would say a lot of organizations at the moment quite rightly are taking a bit of a pause to reflect because they've made changes quite quickly, you know, particularly at the start of the pandemic. And now is the moment to see what's worked well, what hasn't. You know, has there been a rush in a certain area? You know, are they getting return on that investment? Does something need to be done differently? Particularly around organizational space, I think that's a key, key factor at the moment. But overall, when it comes to issues of data in its broadest form, I would say looking at integration across the organization, because that still is definitely a challenge area. Real quick, though, can I pick on the word integration and what you mean by it? Because we have an audience who is thinking about APIs and might be thinking about APIs calling each other integrating. 
that's a fair point. And I was probably taking it slightly broader so that, broader than that in terms of cross-platform integration, but also pr- processes of change management as well. So I, I used to have a kind of change management, head of change management role in telecoms. And one of the things there, processes like continuous integration, continuous deployment, CICD, those approaches to change I'm finding particularly effective at the moment and being scaled into different sectors and disciplines. So I think that's really interesting. And again, it's one of those change and narrative conversations. You know, quite often, I think people think that you know, more regular change, but smaller can actually carry more risk. I see it as quite the opposite. And I think that iterative approach, I think, is really valuable. Um, but those are certainly key challenges I'm seeing at the moment. But also just the whole thing around data, volume, and how you optimize it. You know, I talk about the five Vs. So you've got data, obviously volume, veracity, volatility, velocity as well. But how you get to the data insights part of this is, is still a challenge. And again, kind of data paradox is probably the way I would describe that at the moment. You know, I think everybody, you know, most organizations that want this quest for more, you know, with this age of convergence that we're in, we're going to get even more. You know, all the numbers bear this out. But as things like 5G become more and more mainstream, the IT, OT convergence I mentioned earlier and other factors as well, this is just going to get bigger and bigger. But paradoxically, if we don't get things right, the paradoxes are going to get bigger as well. So we're getting less and less value from it. You know, data is not going to the right person at the right time. Data is being wasted as well. You know, I care a lot about sustainability. But we don't always talk about data waste, for example. You know, uh, something like 90% of data that we archived isn't touched again after three months. You know, about 90% of AI models don't make it into full production. Now, how can we change that into an opportunity and use it for training, for example? That's one of the things I get involved in. But um, I'm slightly going off on a on a purposeful tangent, as I would call it here, but but they do all interlinked in the fact that API obviously has a key role, is a conduit around all of this. But yeah, in terms of key challenges, in terms of making transformation a reality, it's all that spectrum coming together, looking at things holistically, but making sure you also take this pause to reflect. You know, before you go on to the next thing, just see what you're doing at the moment, benchmark that and see where you need to make changes. And don't just focus on one area. It's all about all these different elements, how they fit together. So you've mentioned diversity and inclusion related topics on every question. Uh, So clearly, big believer, big topic for you, which, you know, I'm all in there as well. I think one interesting thing about kind of the, you know, the growth of this API economy, so to speak, in the last, let's say, decade is how many organizations have had to deal with what being global means. And I've, you know, had a few experiences myself of working with people from many, many different places and seen if you don't have someone from a country you intend to, you know, go into that market, you might be in trouble, right? So I'm curious, like kind of this, you know, the globalization that I think APIs have continued to power a trend that was already there and like how kind of DNI fits into that. Yeah, it definitely has. You know, and the, the heightened change over the last couple of years has accelerated that further. But but you're absolutely right. You you need to. I think I almost touched on it when we talked about design earlier. You know, your community in your organisation needs to reflect and be representative of the community you're looking to serve. I, I think they go together hand in hand. You know, and diversity and inclusion are, are talked about a lot today. Quite rightly so. I think what heartens me at the moment is the fact that it's gone from something that has sometimes been on the periphery 
offering, a bit like sustainability, for example. But now it's something that's being, you know, literally baked in and embedded into conversations. You know, I, I came back very, very lucky to go to this, given what's happening at the moment. But uh, I did a, gl- a global trip to a tech event in, in, in the States only a couple of weeks ago. You know, and it, these conversations are at the heart of the keynote speeches opening events at the moment. They're not on the periphery anymore. They're center stage. And that's quite rightly so. We all benefit from, from that type of approach. And for me, the next level of this is kind of moving beyond diversity and inclusion conversations to kind of the next level of that, which is more around belonging, I would phrase it as. And I'll share a link to something I've written about that, actually, this morning, which kind of brings these topics together. But creating um, the, your organization to be reflective of the community you serve. So that global aspect you mentioned there, absolutely spot on. But it's also that local commitment as well, how you're serving the local community, I think, is equally important. And people are looking for that. And I think people are making decisions now about which organizations they want to you know, buy from, advocate for, work with, based on different decisions. I think I think there's a change there. So I think shared value, purpose are right up there alongside, you know, the technology that you're delivering and the service you're providing. It's that that mix. I think people are looking at things differently. So I think it's not just the right thing to do. I actually think it's going to be something that's a driver of sustainable competitive advantage, frankly, because the, the question of value is being looked at far more closely. And I'm really heartened to see where that's going. Not just talking about your values, demonstrating right? Like actually showing action behind what you're doing. Exactly. And people are asking the right questions. You know, it's a bit like um, over the last couple of years, you know, data conversations have taken a whole different realm, haven't you? It's been in our front rooms. You know, we've had we've had daily briefings at, at certain times of the year, you know, and, and decisions in our daily life have been driven by, by the curve or, or, you know, driven by the data. So it's affected business life, but also family, entertainment, education, you, you name it. And I think that's helped kind of build data literacy, helping people ask different questions. And as part of that, when people are seeing a statement around diversity, inclusion or sustainability or what you're doing for open source community, no matter what it is, people are starting to look for the substance underneath that. So I think where we are at the moment is this move for transparency, commitment, but then also backing that up with accountability as well. And I think that's you know the biggest currency of our time. I would say, actually, it's not data, it's trust. So all of these things we're talking about today, you know, I think trust has a big role to play in all of them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things for folks that are kind of starting to venture into, you know, hey, let's have some APIs that we can connect our platform up with other platforms or maybe, you know, provide easier data access to our customers that's automated. And the, the thing that I always try to impress on folks is like, understand the equity in your relationships, right? It's like, oh, do we just price this thing for per call? And it's like, is the call the value? Is that how you're exchanging value within this relationship? You know, it's like understanding what relationship are you in when you connect something, you know, recognize that you've got to build trust in that with all the right elements. Yeah. So it's, again, though, you know, empathy design, these things in that side of the world would be totally natural. But in, I think the kind of software development side of things, it all still feels foreign for so many people. I totally understand that. And I, but I, th- and I think we're starting to see an interesting trajectory there, though, where, where as I say, this STEAM approach is starting to, to get more resonance. And I think people are, just because of the experiences we're all have, having, I think it's helped people to see things from a slightly different way. And again, these new catalysts of innovation, I think, are helping to kind of spark this change as well. And even, you know, maybe as a, as a kind of final point on that, you know, I mentioned ESG, the role of APIs around ESG reporting, I think is going to be a huge one going forward. Um, again, some something I'm very closely involved in. So I think there's going to be new avenues where APIs will be the difference maker that really kind of move commitment on to accountability. So I think that's really exciting as well. 
Sally, you obviously have a just infectious optimism about the future. And uh, I've certainly been accused of, of being a pretty dark pessimist before, which in my defense, I'll say it's, I think I always try to kind of prepare for the worst, hope for the best. So I actually do have a lot of hope for the future as well. But I think we've been dancing around a topic here a little bit, which is, you know, we've got to, you know, have more personal connection and trust and all these things going on. And I think that's partly because the rise of platforms and kind of the impact that it's had on our social lives and the way that we connect with each other. You know, I, I feel like old gray beards like myself who've been around building platforms for years sometimes have a moment of guilt, like that, you know, have what have we created, right? So I'm curious, you know, how you see kind of the way that platforms have kind of become the drivers of our lives in some ways and uh, looking to the future and, and kind of the impact that APIs have had on that is like, how do we carve our way out of this? Okay, I think it comes back to, to, to one word, which is purpose. It's how we apply anything, isn't it? So tech is a, a duality at, at the end of the day. It's all about the intent and, and the purpose to which we apply it. You know, the same way that, you know, a car can take us from A to B, it can be the, the conduit accessibility to new job opportunities, to education, just a great life experience. But equally, it could be deliberately driven at something or somebody, God forbid, uh, and cause an awful lot of damage. So it's the same way with technology. So whether that's the rise of the platform, whether that's the, the greater proliferation of AI. It's all about how we apply it. And so it's all about, I think, doing things in a very meaningful way. And when we do have an acceleration of change, there can always be unintended consequences. I think some of the things we've seen around bias, you know, some of that quite implicit, not intended, for example. So taking that pause for thought about where we are and where we want to go next, I think is absolutely key when we're looking at that. But again, and, and forgive me, because I am going to go back to my, you know, future bright kind, kind of philosophy of, of life, really. But That's what I need, Sally. Give it to me. <laughs> I'm going to use that. So I've got a book that comes out next year. There's a non-for-profit that's all around tech for good. It literally is, is called that as, as a title. And as part of that, I'm kind of bringing to life the people, the projects, the technology that's making a difference. And it's kind of covering all different sectors, different types of roles, as I mentioned earlier, because I want it to be something that's relatable. So that somebody can pick that book up and say, hey, do you know what? I could do that. That could be me in the future. And in that, there's lots of examples around APIs being that conduit to make you know really meaningful innovation a reality. So that's what I'm trying to do. Yes, obviously, there's challenges along the way. And we've seen examples of that over the last 20 months, security, privacy, compliance issues probably being right up there with that. But equally, technology in all its various forms has been the conduit to connectivity to keep us together, you know, to accelerate the innovation curve, you know, whether it's vaccines or in healthcare remotely, or whether it's education, for example, so many different things. It's made a big difference maker. So I think people are starting to have a more balanced view of where we're going. But quite importantly, as well, people are asking better questions. They're demanding more from organisations. They want that more transparency, commitment, accountability. So I think we're in a good place in terms of literacy rising around this, awareness rising about the challenges, but equally that broader, more positive, optimistic look about what we can actually achieve if we come together. And kind of another point on that is the importance of collaboration to make a difference. I've seen your organisation doing some great stuff around collaboration and the education you've got on the website as well, making that available to the community, I think is hugely important. I think we're also seeing, you know, whether it's around APIs and the open source community or, you know, organisations that don't normally work together coming together. I think that's another change that I think is, is overcoming some of the challenges. You know, I, I was at COP26 
six recently and, and the social innovation forum and before that as well we've had things like the hpc consortium as well you know organizations whether they're tech or otherwise that traditionally would be competitors actually coming together to work together to address challenges i think we're seeing a rise around this kind of co-creation across organizations at the moment as well open source major part to play in that i would say making that a reality but obviously the trust that underpins that hugely important too so yeah i've got my positive hat on but try to underpin that with realism at the same time but i'm seeing some really good positive changes and you know, one of the taglines in my writing around this new book is contagion of change you know taking you know the reflections over the last few years that word contagion normally very negative connotations isn't it i want to kind of reown that and reframe that word and make it into a positive contagion of change that's good for business good for society and create shared value and i think you know the work we're talking about today apis open source innovation people coming together supporting technology with education is a great way to make that a reality and scale it you boosted up my optimism i love it uh, <laughs> excellent <laughs> so look i think a lot of our listeners are the people who are out there leading these these api kind of transformations these platform transformations and we may have folks listening who hear all these big, bright ideas and, and agree in principle, but they're in an organization that isn't doing any of those things. So this could be overwhelming, thinking, gosh, you know, that all sounds great, but we're not part of that party, so I may as well give up. So I'm curious, you know, for listeners who are leading these kinds of changes and have the opportunity to make a difference, how do they get started? That's a great, great question. And it's also um, kind of inspires me about almost being like the entrepreneur within an organization and how you kind of work within that setting and allow kind of change to happen. I'll go back to the STEAM skills point slightly on this because that ability to communicate with people and to get buy-in within your organization to secure change is hugely important. So it's not just about you know having the idea and the passion to make something happen. It's kind of bringing along people with you. So again, that skill set, so not just having the, the kind of the technical to deliver something, but also you've been able to share your vision, communicate it, build the right relationships, bring the right people together to sell it, frankly. I think that's really important. So that's when that combination of skills, I think, can make a massive difference. But also back that up with measurement. Again, measurement matters. I'm going on to a more kind of like numbers orientation now, but it does make a difference. One of the biggest challenges I've always seen, particularly more from a social innovation point of view, is being able to kind of measure the scalability of something and get that buy-in from that perspective. But that's something I've worked really hard on. And I've got like a new index that kind of reflects return on social investment as well. So there's lots of things that you can bring to bear. I've got stacks of project examples. And for anybody listening as well, if you want to have a one-to-one chat on that, I'm more than happy to do that, you know, from like a mentoring capacity, but also share some of the materials I have that can really demonstrate that by going down this path, it's not just good for you, know, you as an individual and your development, but it's good for your organization. And in most cases, it can be good for the wider community at the same time. So I'm very very, very happy to follow on conversations about that and, and discuss that one-on-one um, or with an organization. I'd be very happy to because I think it's hugely important. And I think we've all been in that, that position at one point in our career where we think, how do I, I want to do this, but I don't know how to. I don't think anyone's going to listen to me. And being able to talk about that in a safe space outside of your organization can be a great place to empower you to do it within. And I've got quite a few kind of strategies to help with, with that kind of situation too. So very much an open offer to, to support that. In my experience, Sally's easy to find on the internet. So folks listening, if you have those questions, her door is open. And obviously on show notes here, we'll have uh, links to you to her profile. Well, Sally, that feels like me to be a kind of good wrap point on talking about 
an incredible range of topics today. So I just thank you for being so giving and open-minded and just kind of wandering along with us here. That's wonderful. Thank you. I always say I came up with an expression in an interview a few months back, which was purposeful tangents. And I love them. I always think the best conversation are when they're kind of that fireside style and and you go off and meander a little bit and and you just get little nuggets you never planned. So, yeah, I love that. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And thank you for that lovely style of interview as well. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. And Anna, thanks again for co-hosting and coming up with great questions along the way as well. Anytime. I think that's a wrap. And like I said, go find Sally on the internet and ask her those questions. Let's get some change going. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.